Hey everybody, this is Dr. Zom. Um, just doing a little impromptu show now because of um, some technical difficulties he ha had uh, posting the new show, but also um, I think it was not the last show, but the show before that. Um, he, um, when uploading the show um if it is a big file uh, i the one i did in between the last uh or that actually i posted yesterday and then the one i did before that it was only, i was doing only like a 2 hour show if you listen to it um uh, i actually said you know okay i'm going to cut this off because i'm only going to want to go 2 hours you know um that one, when I uploaded it, it uploaded just completely fine. Uploaded, and when it got to the end, it stopped. It said that it uploaded correctly, had the green light and everything. But it seems like when it go over that, um, the one show I did was like three and a half hours long, I think. And then the one that I posted yesterday was three hours long. Uh, when I go to upload those, um, when it gets to the end of uploading... It just starts all over again. And then I went to the website for the tool that we use to um, upload the um, MP3, and it actually they uh, and I put in you know what was going on, and they have for that tool they have must have like a thing where you can um, or you can submit questions or whatever, and other people were having the same thing, and they said it was because of the size of the file. So um, what I did with the one that was three and a half hours long, it was doing the same thing, and it was really frustrating, is I just sat there and watched it, and when it got right to the end and it said 100%, I hit stop. And it's it gives a red light and says that it didn't upload correctly, but the file is still, you know, it shows up on the tool, and then, you know, what when you are... Uh, uh, posting it, you point it direction to that file so it can find it. So it worked. And that's what I ended up doing um, yesterday with the newest episode is once I let it, I actually locked my computer up and because I thought, well, maybe if it uploads enough, it'll eventually do it successfully. Uh, and I got up and it's still, it was just starting over. I mean, after like six hours so I just sat there and watched it and when I came back in like right when it was getting right at the end at a hundred percent I stopped it it shows up and I actually and I actually did test it on the silver and gold website by downloading it uh, and actually streaming it from there and then just like I said kind of dragging it across and uh, and stopping it at certain points and hitting play and it played all the way through then I um, got on iTunes and I streamed it off of iTunes and um, 
I put it at two times the speed, which is pretty fucking funny because when I'm doing the show and I'm talking real fast and I'm like, oh shit, you know, I, I feel like I'm talking really fast. Well, it up, it's even fucking funnier. So sometimes you might want to listen to it at two times the speed, but I let it run all the way through and it played. So, um, you know, hopefully. Now it seems like, uh, like right there, I just had a big like dead air pause. I'm running a scan on my computer right at this time, so that might have something to do with that, that it's pausing like that. Um, I think I should have knocked on wood yesterday because I said the computer seemed like it was running a lot better after I ran um, after I ran some. Uh, you know tools on it to you know check and see how it was running and um i noticed when i was listening to the show there were some pauses and i was just sitting here watching uh, my recording tool and there's been a couple times since just right now when i started recording where it paused a couple times and there was some just you know uh, some dead air there so we'll try and work that out and maybe you know like i had said before maybe i'm looking at some uh you know laptop uh, looking at some options to get a, a, a laptop and that way it'll be a lot more comfortable for me to be able to um, do the show sitting in my recliner instead of at a desk in a, in a computer chair but not only that it might take away some of this uh, some of this uh, stuff where it, it freezes up and pauses and things like that but we're getting you know you know it's a, sometimes you just have Shit, I know when uh, Loaf, I mean, he, he uses Apple uh, products and, ha and his laptop and everything. And uh, I just remember even then uh, we would be recording and he would say, oh, it stopped, you know, and we would just have to pause it and start over, or not start over, but, you know, pause it and start from where it had paused. Um, I actually, some of the movies that I had, uh, already on my IMD and brought up or IMDB and brought up um, I, I closed that all out when uh, I was having those issues so now I'm gonna just kind of bring those up again real quick and maybe go over some of that stuff and then talk maybe some comics and some other stuff just and then like I said what I'm what I'm trying to do is maybe just do a little uh, quick show here that's um, and then see if I see how it downloads uh, so I don't know if this is going to be an hour or if this is going to you know how long this is going to be but we'll see um, I'm gonna pause it here for a second and just bring this stuff up okay so anyway um, getting back to some of these movies that I had watched that I cut off last time. I watched uh, uh, Il tuo viso è una stanza scisa e solo io ne ho la chiave. Which is, <laughs> your vice is a locked room and only I have the key. From 1972. Um, this was directed by Sergio Mart uh, Martino and uh, written by uh, Luciano uh, Martino and Saro Scavolini. And it stars uh, Edwidge Finich, 
uh, Anita Strindberg, Luigi Pastilli. And I remember Luigi Pastilli from, uh, I believe it is uh, Fistful of Dollars. Uh, I think he was Indio's uh, one, like his, not second in command, but sort of like that. One of his thugs, but one of the main ones. I'm having some kind of a caramel um, cappuccino. It comes in the little cups for the um, um, coffee maker. What do you call it? <laughs> What's that coffee maker called? My brain is, I know I'm getting older, but I mean, I'm telling you what, uh, the Keurig. There we go. I just, you know, I guess everybody has a brain fart. Um, so anyway, I watched this movie. I had never heard of it, and I found it on, uh, I think, Amazon Prime. Um, and it's pretty good. It, it, and um, as far as a Gialli, which I, you know, have said before, I I've... I haven't watched that many of them. I've watched some of the mainstream ones like Dress to Kill and um, just some, a, a, a couple of other ones. I, and I just felt like it really wasn't my type of thing. Um, but I've watched a few of them just on this list. And I guess if, I mean, it's like anything else, if they're done well, um, they're, they're pretty entertaining. Um, I saw, uh, as I was saying in the uh, Oliver Reed um, Euro crime movie that I reviewed on uh, the show that I just posted, I you know there was some violence against uh, women in that one uh, that was really disturbing. Um, this uh, these Gialis, uh the old ones that are kind of legendary. I mean, they have that violence. And it's, um, but like I said, if it, if it's, if the movie is done well and has a good story and pretty good acting and everything like that in it, um, it's a lot easier to take than when it's just done for nothing but shock value. Then it becomes more like a torture porn slash, um, kind of, uh, just exploitation to or shock value shock just for shock value or gore just for gore value like when people would read um fangoria or something like that and the whole thing was you know just the shocking gore and the and and uh you know a lot of the special effects but mostly just gore you know i i remember people in school that i was friends with and th and that's what they looked for and uh, you know to each his own you know that's the kind of stuff that they like but they would just really be into anything you know looking for horror movies that are really gory and reading magazines about that and gory magazines and and everything um but anyway this is a pretty good movie um it, it it's again like you know giallo it, it gives you the the red herrings of you know okay who is the actual killer what's going on here and everything um the thing that i liked was the whole storyline around that like um these this couple live in uh you know a big um old mansion and um the the guy uh, the the luigi uh, uh pistilli uh, character is a writer but he's really kind of a 
misogynist, but not only that, um, I'm trying to think of the word I'm looking for. Um, oh, I can't think of it now. Um, but he is, uh, you know, a drunk and, and, uh, uh, I think they do drugs and everything, but they, they have like parties and all these people from the town will come like these young people that are sort of, are the you know, kind of artistic, uh, uh, types or, um, you know, uh, counterculture, maybe kind of like hippie types and things like that. And him and his wife are a little bit older, but they have these parties and I guess they have orgies and they sit around and, uh, it kind of reminds me of almost like the beat when you watch the stuff about the beat generation generation and um uh like kind of a libertine that's what i was looking for i was thinking about that johnny depp movie or you know kind of a libertine kind of a or a uh marquis de sade kind of an atmosphere and he the 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 guy that's the writer is is you know the famous writer is kind of like the marquis de sade he he uh is you know very like macho but also kind of elitist and he his wife they almost have like a um uh bdsm kind of a uh, relationship where he's very um sedated and he likes to humiliate her and um in front of people, but not only that, but you know, even when there's nobody around and everything, but, um, he just dominates her and she is almost to the point of being, um, well, I guess she, but you would have to say she has a certain amount of, um, some kind of mental, uh, I don't know if I'd say mental illness, but also, um, he has beaten her down to the point where she is just um, like like that dog that they always say the dog that's been beat too much, and um, but they there's some of course you know murder the, or murder or murders that go on. what and sort of like the Humphrey Bogart movie that I had talked about I think it's in a lonely place um, which is it, it kind of mimics this a little bit because the Bogart character in the other movie was a writer who was had what a, a lot of success and then had kind of fallen off and become a drunk and and had a really violent temper and everything like that and that's how uh, Luigi Pastilli's character is in this and um but then um i think it uh edwidge fenich shows up and he, she is his niece i believe i can't remember it's just like with the ernest borgnine movie uh i believe that she was his niece but when he had seen her before when him and his wife had known her before she was just like a little kid well she comes to visit and of course she's fucking hot i mean in real life she was hot and everything um this movie does have um the, you know, sex in it, nudity, not like, you know, triple X adult cinema or anything like that, but it's still, you know, very risque, I guess, you know, you would say for the time and everything. And, um, it kind of, I like how it went because to be honest with you, I 
didn't know who the fuck was the killer and what was going on. I mean, I knew what was going on, but it, it, it gave you enough turns and enough stuff that interesting stuff that was going on that even toward the end, when I thought I knew who it was and it, it, it you know, it, it, it keeps you, th- uh, keeps you guessing. And then, uh, at the, almost the conclusion I thought, I thought, okay, this is what it is. And then it goes even from there. Um, I thought that, uh, the Anita, uh, Strindberg, um, for, she was really good in the part, uh, attractive lady, you know, an older, uh, you know, middle aged lady. And then Edward Finnage was like real, you know, young in this. Um, and it was, it was a good movie. I had never even heard of it before. And you know, that title was so long. Uh, your vice is a locked room and only I have the key. It's, you know, a lot of those, um, old Italian movies, uh, they would have like, you know, big, long titles, like almost like a whole sentence is the title, you know, but uh, I really enjoyed this one. I recommend it. Um, you know, it's, it's definitely, it's sleazy, but it's done well. It's not just sleaze for sleaze. It's not just, you know, gore for gore and things like that. So I did like that one. And the next one, I watched uh, Blood and Black Lace, uh, Six Don Per L'Assassino. <laughs> okay, this was 1964. This is a little bit of an older uh, Gialli. Well, I don't even know. Well, yeah, I guess it would be a Gialli. Um, but uh, it... Um, has American actors in it and everything. Uh, it was dubbed. It's a Mario Bava movie uh, written by Marcello Fondato and Giuseppe Barilla. Um, but um, like Cameron Mitchell is one of the stars of it. And of course, he's an American actor. I talked about Leif Erickson, the actor in the last show, being on the show The High Chaparral. And um, Cameron Mitchell played his brother in that, Buck. Big John. Uh, <laughs> Big John's brother was Buck. And um, so I know what Cameron Mitchell sounds like. And if you've seen, you know, most of us, have, we always talked about, you know, uh, oh, um, Deadly Prey. I think Cameron Mitchell was in that, and that was when he was older and making some shitty. I mean, he made low budget movies even back in this day, you know. So, but um, he was on a lot of TV shows and everything. And uh, um, but they, like I said, the the whole movie is dubbed, and I know it wasn't Cameron Mitchell's voice because I know what he sounds like. But this was a pretty good one. Uh, Mask shadowy killer brutally murders the models of a scandalous fashion house in Rome. Again, <clears throat> I, I don't know why. It's almost like um, with me watching some horror m- movies over the you know past couple of weeks. Uh, this is just something I thought, well, you know what, maybe I'll just dive in and start watching. And then I thought, well, that was pretty good. Go on to the next one. Uh, the the same thing here, of course, you know, with, uh, uh, you know, giallo movies, it keeps you thinking, uh, the guy wears a, 
a mask that just it looks almost like a I, I guess he can see through it there's no eye holes no no ear holes or uh, you know nose or mouth or anything it just covers his face but I guess he can see through it but it looks like he almost like when in the old days in like Hawaii 50 and stuff when they would somebody would go rob a bank or rob a store or something they would pull like a stocking over their face well it's sort of like that but it's almost like Rorschach's mask in the Watchmen without the Rorschach things moving around on it it's just a white uh like stalking but it must be you know you can see through it but the person can't see you um it definitely again it, it it's got you know some gore in it um where the killer there's lots uh several different ways where he kills women um and it does again it keeps you guessing i didn't you know know who it was and then there again as a twist. So, I mean, I can see where a lot of these, are, they, they, you know, kind of follow the same formula. Uh, there's a murder. Uh, you don't know who it is. You see the murders happening. Uh, you see that really vivid red blood or something really gory on how they kill somebody, but it keeps you guessing the whole time of, okay, who the fuck is it? Who did it and everything. And then gives you twist, uh, a few twists at the end, but still enjoyable. It was still, still a fun watch. Um, I thought this one was pretty good. Um, this voice, Cameron Mitchell's voice or whoever dubbed it, it did sound familiar to me and I wanted to kind of see who it was, but I don't know if it would say on here. Um, Oh, it says that this was a, a landmark film in Italian, in Italian cinema because it began the giallo genre. So, um, but I, again, I don't think everybody in this was uh, Italian. Maybe Cameron Mitchell was the only one that... Uh, most of the male characters were dubbed by Paul Freese. Okay, and uh, for the American release of this film, including Cameron Mitchell. And I've heard that voice before, so who is Paul Freese? Let me look him up here real quick. Uh, just click on it. This computer, it, uh, I definitely need to... Uh, he was... Was he the voice of uh, the in uh, Santa Claus's? Oh no, Frosty the Snowman. Uh, he was the voice of Santa Claus and uh, the traffic cop. Frosty the Snowman was a jolly, happy soul with a corn cob pipe and a button nose and two eyes made out of snow. Down through the chimney, he slashed her fucking heart. Oh, and he was also, I always say on in the movie Breakheart Pass with um, uh, Charles Bronson, uh, when um, in Breakheart Pass, they dub, um, what's his name, uh, Tessier's, uh, Robert Tessier's voice. He plays Levi Calhoun. But Robert Tessier, you know, like if you saw him in um, The Longest Yard, he's like, yeah, I apologize. I'm sorry. But in Breakheart Pass, he's like, Levi Calhoun. Levi Calhoun, what are you doing here? And I'm like, what the fuck? Why did they dub his voice? Well, he dubbed um, Robert Tessier's voice, too. Uh, let's see. what. Who else did he do? That's, this is, again, going down a rabbit hole that I don't need to go down. Uh, you you definitely will recognize his voice, because I know I did. He was he did a ton of shit. TV and uh, voice work from... 
Let's see here. Jesus Christ. I'm glad I didn't fucking go over this. He worked from... Oh, 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 stop, bitch. From 1939, he was the voice of Barney the Bear, and I guess in a cartoon, and he worked until 2018. From 1939 to 2018, he was... uh, the Green Fisherman in uh, Pinocchio, the story of a puppet. This guy is an interesting guy. God damn, what a career. Um, actor, composer, songwriter, voiceover artist, and author. He joined uh, ASCAP in 1956. His chief musical collaborators, blah, blah, blah. Okay, anyway, but the guy worked for fucking ever. So that's kind of cool. Learned something there. Down through the chimney, he slashed her fucking tits with a corncob pipe and a big old dick. <laughs> Been watching too many Jali. Um, that's one thing, though. You know, in the Jali, I guess it's because the killer, if there is a sexual uh, thing to the killer, it's more like... Um, the hatred hatred for the women and the knife is like represents the his penis or something like that um and i think even in the uh one movie um uh your vice is a locked room and only i have the key the uh do- or the uh, cops were even speculating you know something about that because you don't really see like rape, like what you know, physical rape with the with the killer using his you know penis or anything like that. It's mostly it's slashing, it's killing with a knife or some kind of a penetrating slashing uh, weapon. But that was a pretty good one. I did not know that that I know you know I've heard the name Mario Bava. And, you know he's famous for for uh, you know his giallo, uh, gialli movies or whatever. I did not know that this was considered the first one. So because I didn't you know when I'm watching the movies, I'm watching back to back to back. I'm not looking anything up or anything uh, to prepare. <laughs> so I'm surpri- as surprised as you are on uh, as I'm learning this stuff, which is cool. You know, like I said, that genre, the horror genre, were neither one were my. T- type of thing uh and i kind of put it off put it off put it off but then i can go back now and maybe start watching some of this and the ones that are good and even some of the ones that are older and low budget and everything i can get more into them and learn uh as i go along um the next thing i watched was 1972's cosa avete uh, fatto a salange which is what have you done to salange from 1972 um, this one was directed by um, uh, Massimo Dallamano and uh, written by Bruno Di Geronimo and uh, Massimo da- Dallamano. And uh, it stars Fabio Testi, Karen Ball, uh, Cristina Galbo, and um, oh, what's the one girl's name that somebody, uh, Camille Keaton who I, uh, I can't remember if it was Rolf or if it was Stohan that said that he hated uh, Camille Keaton. He thought it was Diane Keaton. And then once when he said that, and I was watching this, uh, I actually thought, because the way she talks and sort of the way she looks, she looked like a young 
which Diane Keaton at this time was probably, you know, young too. Uh, but it's even her voice sounded like, and I was like, is that Diane Keaton? Cause I watched it and I didn't, I didn't think it was or whatever, or didn't notice it was, but maybe it was. And then as I was watching it, I was like, that does sound like her. But then I looked her up and it's Camille Keaton. And I don't think they're related. It said that this Camille Keaton was a distant relative of Buster Keaton. Um, But also her main claim to fame, other than this movie, I think was uh, she was the... Uh, girl in uh, the victim or, you know, whatever the uh, protagonist in um, I spit on your grave, the original one, which I, I haven't seen that when I saw again, I saw the remake and I was just so repulsed by, and I, and I read, you know, about it because I was reading about Camille Keaton and they said in the original one, like that the rape scene goes on for like 30 minutes straight. And that's how it was in the remake. And I, fucking turned it off i did i was just like it was so repulsive i I don't know i just i was like i don't give a fuck if she gets revenge or whatever this is just uh it was just disgusting to watch it was just um i don't uh, how uh, i was so repulsed by it uh i don't know even again i watched uh irreversible i always bring that movie up but that movie was done it was done really well um, the whole movie was done well. The acting was great. I, I like how they shot it in reverse order. Um, I liked the cinematography. I liked everything about the movie. And even though it had a, a very vicious and horrifying rape scene, which stuck with me for again, like a, like a week after that, I was just like, Oh my God, you know, it was a well done movie. And, and I felt like, totally different watch and again i didn't watch the whole fucking movie so maybe i shouldn't comment but i the i spit on your grave remake was so repulsive to me because it was done in such a way that it was just nothing but sheer exploitation i felt i thought for exploitation's sake and i just turned it off i was like i i was disgusted by it i was it was almost like you were watching a snuff film or or something like that uh, you know that was real and it just about made me fucking i, I don't know it was so distasteful I, I i could not watch that for um entertainment purposes i just was like i'm sorry and i just turned it off i was watching it with some friends too and i was like i'm not watching this fucking shit um anyway this was a pretty good movie um again this 1972 um it definitely had uh, uh, some twisties in it and uh, of course you know i had watched uh, a few fabio testi uh, movies uh, in this run of movies that I was I've been talking about in the last couple of shows, and I have seen him in you know westerns. I've seen him in Euro crime movies, and now in a Giallo. And I think he's pretty good. Again, uh, guy looks like a you know, uh, and he may have been a, a male model at one time or something like that because he's you know good you know physically good shape or and a good looking guy and everything. Um, he is a professor at a school. Uh, and, and this one kind of goes in some different ways. Um, now of course, same follows the same pattern of the Gialli with, uh, you know, somebody's killing, you know, these young girls, uh, killing them in, uh, you know, very, uh, uh, graphic ways. Uh, and you know, okay, what's going on here. Um, but so it follows that whole pattern 
pretty much standard, you know, you, you keeps you guessing on who's doing it, what's going on and everything. But I liked the, the storyline that goes th- that, that that's, that weaves through that, that whole, I mean, that's the pattern, but, um, you know, him being, uh, 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 uh teacher a professor uh and um you know being married and then he's kind of uh, maybe messing around with uh some of the girls or one of the girls and then you think okay well this is this is how it's going uh but then it kind of takes another twist as you're finding out what has been going on on this campus this entire time. And there's like several different things that you don't expect that it it takes a turn this way and then it turns this way and then it turns another way. Again, I thought this was pretty good. Um, I know that, um, I, I, what's her name? Uh, the Camille Keaton character. Now, of course I, I did, I, I did think her acting wasn't that great, and I and I was when I was first watching it before anybody even said anything about her. I was like, oh, you know. But then as I as I uh, went not went back, but as I was watching, because she doesn't go through you know the whole thing or whatever. But I uh, was thinking, okay, she's portraying this young uh, underage girl, so you know I can see maybe you know that. Uh, her being kind of a little bit annoying and uh, the way she was acting and everything that maybe it, it, it did fit because of the age of the character and the age of all the other girls that were in the movie. But I thought it was good. Uh, this is, you know, again, some of these, it's hard to talk about it too much. Uh, like I said, uh, because I don't want to give anything away to people that haven't seen it, but also, um, as I was talking about the last two and talking about this one, you know, if these movies follow that same similar pattern, so you feel like you're almost talking about the same thing. Uh, you know, you start out, you introduce the character, somebody, somebody gets murdered or, or people start getting murdered and you're trying to figure out who it is. It takes all these twists and turns. It gives you the red herrings all the way up into the end and then gives you another fucking red herring. Uh, but this was done well and I'm glad I watched it. I thought it was good. Well, we'll go to the next one. If it's another Jali, we're going to have the exact same fucking conversation. <laughs> because, but, you know, that's a, it's a pattern and it works. Like I said, now there's some of them that are probably worse than others and everything, but the formula works. And um, I can see it, you know, people liking it and everything. I, I The ones I've seen so far, I've, I've been pretty good. This is a rewatch for me, and the reason I started watching it was because it was available on Prime. And, um, you know, I was watching the Gialli, I was watching the Euro crime movies, and um, I watched uh, La Mala Ordina, or The Italian Connection from 1972. And this is a classic, uh, one that was brought to me by Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema when I first started listening to them a long time ago. <clears throat> Let me have a drink. And of course, uh, you know, most of the people that are listening to this show are going to know this movie. It's a classic, uh, probably one of the best, along with uh, Milano Calibro 9, uh, Eurocrime movies, uh, written and directed by Fernando DeLeo. Um, and it stars Mario Adorf, Henry Silva, and Woody Strode. 
Uh, excellent movie. Adolfo Celle, uh, who was in um, Thunderball. He played Largo in Thunderball with um, Sean Connery. Sean Connery, who passed away. Uh, let's see. Um, the women in this, I did not look them up, but there are some hotties in this, definitely. Uh, very attractive ladies. Um, the This is just one of my favorites. Uh, it might... Uh, I was going to say favorite Euro crime movies, but it might be in there as one of my favorite movies. Um, <clears throat> Mario Ador's character is... Um, I was going to say, yeah, Luca Canali. Uh, he was uh, just excellent. Um, and he he has so much charisma uh, that he has so much charisma that he's actually playing a pimp in this movie, but you just like him. He's funny, but also um, he is, you know, a tough motherfucker. Uh, and um, he's you almost feel sorry for him. I mean, again, the guy is a fucking pimp, but you feel sorry for him because he really doesn't have sort of, he's sort of clueless and he's kind of a, in some ways kind of a dumb guy, but in some ways not. Um, I don't know how to, you know, put that because when it comes to the street, he is, you know, he knows his shit, but he's really not like a, a super bright guy. Uh, and then um, this mafioso in, I guess, New York, like maybe like one of the five families or head of the five families, a godfather. Um, he hires Henry Silva and Woody Strode to go to Italy to um, um, kill... Luca Canali. <laughs> Luca Canali. And um, Silva and Strode are like a, it's almost like a buddy cop kind of thing, except they're hitmen. And they must work together all the time because they're kind of like a peas and carrots sort of. And um, uh, I would have liked to have seen a, an actual buddy cop movie, uh, um, which I guess this kind of is, even though they're hitmen, but it's seen them work together again because they're, uh, Woody Strode is so stoic in this and he's really quiet. He's so impressive looking anyway. The guy was one of the first African-American uh, football players in the NFL for the Los Angeles Rams. He was also a professional wrestler and then he was in the movies and, uh, of course, was in Spartacus, um, uh, Sergeant Rutledge. There's a bunch of movies that he was in. Um, and But he's really quiet and uh, physically uh, just impressive you know, with a tight red fucking shirt that shows off all his muscles and everything. Whereas Silva is kind of more the loudmouth, um, flirty, um, a little bit more goofy. But I mean, he dresses well and everything, but he's, he considers himself like, I think like a, uh, he has an overinflated opinion of himself as a ladies man. Uh, and, um, as uh, he's one of these guys, yeah, he has, he has all the women all over him as long as he's got a, a shitload of money. And, uh, you know, he comes on to like every, I have a friend like this that, that would just come on to every fucking woman that he saw and, you know, and, and be, 
not, not as much sleazy as just, you know, really obvious. And even when he gets turned down, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't even phase him. You know, uh, the only thing that phases him in this is like the one main, um, woman in this, that's kind of, uh, the concierge, of strode and i think that kind of bothers silva's character which is which is kind of funny um again this has a lot of uh it had it's not like slapsticky or anything like that but um it's very entertaining uh i love uh luca canali's uh you know finishing maneuver which is the headbutt he headbutts like when he's in a fight and stuff he headbutts these guys and and mario adorf has a big fucking head and then he's got like a big quaff of this black hair but when he's in a fight uh you know i mean if he headbutts you he's like the missing link in wrestling where he would just go around banging his head he even gets so pissed he's talking on like a payphone that's hanging from the wall and he gets so so mad when he hangs up the phone that he headbutts the phone and just you know those things were like this really hard fucking either like plastic or whatever and he headbutts his phone and just 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 demolishes it um very good movie again everybody that uh, you know in our circle of friends and everything uh, has seen this but it was i'm glad i rewatched it uh when i first watched it the first time i think i watched it several different times uh in a short period and i haven't seen it in a long time it's very very entertaining and a lot of fun classic fucking cinema there uh, next thing I watched was another Euro crime movie from 1975. Uh, Perce si uscida un magistrito, which is How to Kill a Judge from 1975. And uh, this is D D Damiano uh, Damini. Which, was that the guy I was talking about that was in the, uh, the fucking, uh, made the hardcore movie made deep throat and uh the linda lovelace movies i can't remember but anyway um and it stars franco nero francois fabian and uh Peruigi apra um, now this one i had never seen before and it wasn't what i expected because i thought okay franco nero you know i love his big mustache and when he talks to you uh, um it's i think this one was dubbed but um i read that uh, franco nero was one of the was like either the only one or one of the few if not the only one that actually dubbed his own voice in english for the american audiences so it's it's him talking and you know so and that's good because like i said with cameron mitchell i know what he sounds like so when somebody else's voice coming out uh it's not, I mean, it's distracting at first, but if you know if you're watching it and it's a good movie, you, you, it doesn't bother me after a while. But you know, knowing that this is Franco Nero and that he can speak English and he dubbed his own stuff, you know, it's his voice, so it it, it definitely is more satisfying. Um, when I said it wasn't what I expected, I thought, okay, Franco Nero, how to you know how how to kill a judge. Um, that I I thought that it would be, you know, he's a cop and he's trying to, you know, stop the mafia or something like that. He's, you know, Franco Nero's good looking guy, uh, one of the top guys in Italian cinema because, you know, he's super duper handsome and, and he can act and everything. Um, but this one 
it was more of to me was more of a drama than just straight up action euro crime it's a euro crime movie and it does have action and uh, you know assassinations and killings and things like that but it, uh franco nero is a um a journalist and um it's like he is more like a uh i don't not geraldo rivera but you know somebody somebody more than that uh but somebody that was like uh, a top investigative journalist and he has like a team around him and produces his own segments and things like that and uh this whole thing is i think i read uh that of course when they say it's based on you know a true story uh i i have some uh, uh some books about the sicilian uh mafia and uh you know i think the one's called octopus and uh, they had a deal over there at one time where um it was almost like in colombia when pablo escobar was so rich and so powerful in colombia that even when the cops and the judges and politicians were trying to take down the cartel that they just went to war with with them and they were killing policemen they were killing judges they were killing politicians they were blowing up cars and, and that's the way it was over in sicily at one time when uh the you know the law went to crack down on the mafia uh, and you know, the heroin smuggling and all this and that is they just went to total fucking war and were gunning down, um, prosecutors and judges and everything like that. So uh, again, you know, when they say it's based on a true story, it, it went along with that. Um, I did like it because, um, Franco Nero's character, um, he kind of walked a fine line because he was actually friends with um, a guy who was a mafioso. Uh, and so it wasn't just straightforward black hat, white hat. You know, it was there was the black hats and the white hats, the mafia and the judges and the and the cops. But then there was the corruption. So, you know, there was a very, very gray area. And then Franco Nero is like in the middle of it. And uh, again, this was one that I, um, even though it wasn't what I expected, um, it's more drama driven uh, and more uh, political kind of intrigue and things like that. I thought it was done really well and I still enjoyed it. Uh, uh, not uh, again, like the Italian connection, uh, you know, lots of action, lots of fighting, lots of killing and with some comedy and stuff like that. This was more straight up drama. And like I said, like almost like a, a law and and uh, politics and corruption, mostly, you know, like a, a corruption kind of a movie, uh, sort of like Serpico, Prince of the City or something like that. But I really liked it. I thought this was really good. I had I don't think I had ever heard of it. I may have seen the box cover art for it. I just never watched it. And I thought that this was the one with Martin Balsam that had Franco Nero, but uh, it ended up it was something totally different. I can't remember what that was. That might have been uh, Street Law, you know. Driving down the road, I just want the Big Mac. Going to the drive-thru, got to get my Big Mac. <laughs> God damn it. 
that's how he sings. I swear to God, when I heard that fucking song, you know, uh, 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 Franco Nero, I'm going to... Uh, 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 you, you, who is it? What, uh, what did they do to your fingers? You know, he, the way he talks when, he, when he's uh, speaking. And uh, he got the mustache and everything. But anyway, um, I thought that was him fucking singing that song. <laughs> and I wish it was. It's like Eddie and the Cruisers or, uh, uh, you know, uh, I, I, I wish that it was him fucking singing that song. So anyway, let's move on. We might just do like a, this might be a quickie show. Because like I said, I just want to see if I uh, how this downloads. But I'm gonna you know keep going, and if the, you know, it's just sitting here in this chair. And then like uh, I was gonna say when I did the show this uh, yesterday um, that I just posted, I and I did like a, a whole hour. I don't remember drinking that much and getting that little tickle in my throat and everything, and uh, just sitting here singing like Franco Nero made me oh, have a tickle in, my, in the back of my throat. Um, I watched a movie from 1974 called uh, Il Polizzato e which is shoot first or die later. Um, and this was uh, Fernando De Leo. Uh, Luke Miranda. And uh, Richard Conti, of course, he was the you know American. That's and they, they a lot of times they would have like one guy from you know America in the in a move in the movie to kind of just well not only but uh, to to give it some gravitas, but uh, also to so they could sell it over here, I guess you know. Um, a police lieutenant uh, suddenly faces the consequences of his choices uh, to part for the local mobs. Um, I like this one um, because, well, first of all, uh, again, it didn't follow the same formula, sort of, because, I mean, you know, with a lot of the Euro crime movies, you have, you know, the police and you have the mafia. Uh, this one I thought was going to be kind of straight up white hat, black hat. Uh, with uh, Luke Miranda being uh, as a Dominico, uh, with him being the, uh, you know, kind of the white hat um, sort of, um, I don't know if I would say dirty, hairy kind of a guy against the bad guys, but it ends up being, again, more of a corruption kind of movie. Um, it remind. I'm trying to think what movie I was. I, I just was thinking as I was going to say this. Uh, I'm, I'm moving my mic around. To, I noticed that when I move my mic around, you'll hear on the um, on the uh, recording it goes boom, boom, boom. But I was moving it around just a little bit to make myself more comfortable. I'm making myself more comfortable uh, for the for the uh, uh, podcast. Oh, whatever. I think Franco Nero's big mustache it would like it would like make him uh, muffle him a little bit or something. I don't know. It would be funny if he if he shaved his mustache off and his English was just uh, fluid and uh, you know it sounded perfect. Uh, but then when he has his mustache, he well, I want a sandwich. Oh, maybe I will go and fix myself some pastrami. Um. Anyway. Um. There was a movie, it was like about, sort of like a family of, I might be thinking of the one with uh, Joaquin Phoenix and um, 
oh who was else was in that i talked about it on the like the the one of the last shows um but anyway um dominico he is sort of like treat williams was in um prince of the city um and he comes from like a family of cops his dad is like the like the, maybe like the chief of police but he is like the hot shot detective who um you know makes the big the really big uh big bust and you know uh, gets like a lot of the credit and everything but he's he's kind of the hot shot guy he's good looking young guy dresses nice and everything but then you find out that um he is kind of playing both sides of the fence. Um, one of the reasons it's again, like uh, Prince of the city where um, he has connections on both sides. Uh, of course, with his father being like the chief of police. And then he is also corrupt and he is also there's cer a certain mafia family that he just has connections with and they throw him a bone every once in a while so that they can keep him in hype in you know high places and keep him you know uh and like almost like a whitey bulger thing where they use him to uh help uh keep their competition in line but not only that but uh to help um, them take out their competition in some ways, you know. So anyway, that, I like—I always like that kind of a story um, because it's interesting when when uh, the guy starts getting pulled from both sides, and uh, you know, especially especially you know, in some movies where you know the the the, the guy's a cop but he's corrupt. Uh, when it's only just a loyalty to just being a cop. Um, it's a lot different than when you come from like a family of cops and there was a movie with, um, Ed Norton and, um, Colin Farrell that was sort of like that too. Um, I can't remember what that one was called. Was it Brooklyn something? Let me look it up here real quick. It wasn't a, it was not a bad movie. Uh, Colleen Farrell. Ed Norton, Brooklyn, not Brooklyn's finest. I don't think that was Richard Gere, I believe. Um, let me look it up. I'm actually doing a Yahoo search <laughs> pride and glory. Okay. Yeah. That one wasn't bad. That was kind of a, that was a cop movie, family of cops where like the, the whole family, you know, are, are cops and, um, um, you know, there's corruption involved and, you know, stuff like that. So that's one worth checking out. It wasn't a great one. I haven't seen it in a long time. That was, uh, uh, Noah Emmerich was in that too. He's in a lot of stuff. Uh, who was the director of that one? Daddy. O. New York city, NYC, pretty mean when it wants to be black leather, knee hole pants. Can't play no high school dance. R-A-M-O-N-E-S Ramones. Uh, Gavin O'Connor. Now, what else did he do? Did, he probably have done Brooklyn's Finest. I don't know. Okay, Pride and Glory uh, uh, family. <laughs> now, say I'll like, get, get off on another tangent. I'm talking about this other fucking, this uh, Eurocrime movie, and now I'll, and right in the middle of it, I'm talking about Pride and Glory from 2008. Uh, fa uh, family's moral codes are tested when Ray Tyranny investigates a case that reveals incendiary police corruption scandal involving his own brother-in-law, which uh, Ray Tyranny is Ed Norton. His brother-in-law is... 
uh, Colin Farrell. Uh, for Ray, the truth is, uh, is rev <laughs> revelatory. I couldn't get that out. I wanted to say something else. A Pandora's box that threatens to upend not only Tyranny's legacy, but the entire NYPD. And it, you know, again, you know, when you're talking about your own fucking family, uh, it's kind of can be kind of fucked up. Uh, let's see. Gavin O'Connor. Let me, I wanted to see what he was, what he else he did. He did uh, Warrior with um, uh, Tom Hardy, uh, the MMA movie, and he also did The Accountant with Ben Affleck, which was okay. It was, you know, it wasn't bad. It was just okay to me, though. Uh, what else did he do? Anything good? Hey, did he do anything good? <laughs> uh, Pride and Glory, Warrior, Cinnamon Girl. That was a Neil Young song. Uh, Jane got a gun. I th was that um, little Natalie Portman? Her western, which I did not see. Yeah, I like her. She's cute. I don't know what it is about her, because like I said, I'm not like the world's biggest uh, Natalie Portman uh, as an actress fan, but she's just kind of got a cute little body, and she's cute. Uh, and that's about it. So he hasn't had... He's done TV series. Uh, Mar of East Town, Seven Seconds, The Americans. Uh, he did that, which I have watched uh, like maybe about two seasons of that. It's pretty good. Uh, but he... Uh, Smashing Machine documentary. That was the one about... Um, oh, Mark Kerr. That was a really good documentary. Uh, did he produce that? Yeah, because I was going to say John Himes was the one that directed that. So he must have produced it. But that's a really good documentary. And I heard that The Rock is going to make a major mainstream motion picture about Mark Kerr. Uh, and, you know, of course, if you watch the documentary, you're going to see everything but the documentary even if you don't like uh mixed martial arts is very good uh because it deals with a lot of other stuff uh, and i'm curious to, to see you know i don't know if the rock is going to star as mark kerr i'm not sure because mark kerr when he was in this was really young but he was of course jacked and uh, he was a a um uh wrestler in college and on the Olympic level. He wasn't in the Olympics. I think uh, Kurt Angle uh, beat him out. Um, <clears throat> but I have actually seen some matches between him and Kurt Angle when they were in college, which are on YouTube. And Kurt Angle even said that Mark Kerr and Mark Coleman were two guys that when he was in college uh, that he had the most trouble with and he knew that he had to beat them to uh, get to go to the Olympics. And he, you know prevailed enough with enough wins over them in the trials and stuff to be able to go. But that's the level that Mark Kerr was on. I'm not sure if he was national champion or not. He may have been, but um, let's see. Okay. Let's go back to what the fuck I should be talking about. Um, anyway, now I want to go back and watch that uh, plot pride and glory movie. Cause uh, Ed Norton, you know, he's good, but he, he really hasn't had, um, Maybe it's because of the choices that he makes. He he makes good movies and he's a good actor, but um, it seems like um, 
even the movies that he makes again they're good but i like when i'm thinking about like huge hits that he's had that were huge box office for him and i you know once you get to a certain point you don't have that much even before that um let's see we have primal fear and that was with uh, richard gear uh and uh, was that richard gear where he was uh yeah, Richard Gere is the lawyer, and Ed Norton is uh, the guy in prison that kind of is has like supposedly sp- split personalities. Uh, but that one, that one kind of got him over, and it was pretty good. Everyone says I love you. What's that one about? A boot. That's uh, a comedy. A New York girl sets her father up. Oh, it's Woody Allen. I haven't seen that. Hmm. A New York girl sets her father up with a beautiful woman in a troubled marriage while her stepsister gets engaged. Woody Allen, Goldie Hawn, Julia Roberts, Drew Barrymore. I've never even heard of this. And I've watched uh, quite a bit of Woody Allen movies. Is Alan Alda in that? Yeah, Alan Alda. Maybe I'll I'll look for that one. Find it. Uh, it gets about an, uh, a little, little bit better than average score there. Um... That's interesting. People versus Larry Flint. He did really well in that, but I think that uh, Woody Harrelson and Courtney Love got most of the uh, accolades for that. And of course, American History X. That was a big. Uh, uh, the leap-off point for him was Primal Fear, but American History X was a big one for him. Rounders was good with him and Matt Damon. Although, like I said, the more that I've watched it, the narration. I hate the narration and Matt Damon narrating through it it was so much it would be so much better if it didn't have that fight club was a huge one for him with brad pitt uh keeping the faith that was was that him and ben stiller yeah ben it's uh he directed it ed norton directed it and it had uh jenna elfman ed norton and ben stiller and i think stiller is a rabbi uh, Ed Norton is a priest and they're kind of in love. They, they It's like a, not, I don't know if I say a love triangle or a menage a trois kind of a thing. It's just, I think they were all friends and uh, with Jenna Elfman, you know, the two of them are really like maybe childhood friends with uh, two friends, a priest and a rabbi fall in love with the same woman they knew in their youth. Yeah. I haven't seen that one, so I don't know. It might be all right. Um, what else we got here with Ed? The score with... Uh, that was the one where they were saying, okay, Ed Norton is the next big thing in acting, like the next De Niro. And then they always said De Niro was the next Brando. So they had Brando, De Niro, and Ed Norton in the same movie. It's okay. It's not great. Uh, Brando, it's one of, probably one of his last roles. He is just, uh, you know, obese, enormously obese. And... Uh, um, it's one of those movies that Ed Norton does where he is playing somebody who has like Tourette's or something. And he is so fucking, he annoys the shit out of me. Not a bad movie, but I can't stand listening to it. Death to Smoochie. That was kind of like a big colossal flop for him. I think with him and um, Robin Williams, I have not seen that one. Frida, he played Nelson Rockefeller in Frida, and I think the reason that that he was in that was he was actually dating uh, Salma Hayek at the time. They dated for a real long time, and uh, but it's mostly it's about her and um, as uh, uh, Frida uh, Kahlo and uh, the artist and um, her and uh, what's his name or the main. It has Ashley Judd in it too, and they do this really sexy dance together. Antonio Bandaras. And uh, is it Diego Luna? 
or no alfred molina alfred molina plays frida's husband uh i don't even remember ed norton being in that but i haven't seen it in a long time it's a really good movie it's an interesting movie they uh were um i think uh frida and um diego or not diego um uh yeah diego rivera were communists i believe in uh mexico i think is that argentina or mexico uh biography of artist frida Kahlo, who cha channeled the pain of crippling injury and her uh, tempestuous marriage into her work anyway well i'm getting off into the weeds again sorry people i'm gonna get i'm backing out backing out backing out um Let's see. The score, Death Smoochie. Red Dragon. That one, meh, I'd rather watch uh, the one with William uh, Peterson or whatever the fuck his name is. <laughs> 25th Hour, Spike Lee movie. That was good. Italian Job. Uh, that was Wahlberg trying to be uh, Michael Caine. Wahlberg is always off into these remaking these movies where that are like uh, kind of legendary movies, but he puts himself in the Cary Grant or Michael Caine or uh, you know whoever's part and it doesn't work. Uh, Ed Norton and that is just a, a dick. He's he's the dick that kind of fucking is in their crew at the beginning, but sets him up or whatever. Uh, after the sunset, what is that? He's uncredited, so it doesn't even fucking matter. Oh, okay, I saw that one. That's uh, Selma Hayek was in that too, so that's probably why he was in it. Um, it has uh, Pierce Brosnan, Woody Harrelson, uh, Don Cheadle, uh, and Salma. Yeah, I mean, it, that was not a bad movie, and Selma Hayek is just so fun. She, I think you see her in a bikini in that, and she's really hot. She's still hot, and and uh, I'm telling you what, I guess it's maybe because she's getting older and she's had kids and stuff. Her boobs are so big now. Jesus Christ, I'm thirsty. Kingdom of Heaven. Uh, that was Orlando Bloom, Eva Green, Liam Neeson. I think maybe I saw this. Yeah, it's about the Crusades, but I don't remember very much about it. I think it was, you know, it was worth a watch michael sheen is in that too but um again i don't remember i only saw it one time and it was a long time ago so uh, i don't remember it being horrible but i don't remember it being that great um let's see down in the valley i saw that one that one was kind of like uh it almost sort of reminded me of the movie hick with uh chloe uh, Grace Moretz, uh, where Ed Norton is kind of this, uh, maybe like a kind of an older guy who kind of shows up and he's got a little, he's a little quirky uh, as far as like he, he wears cowboy, you know, it's modern day, but he wears like a cowboy hat and has like a big Fu Manchu mustache and carries around like pistols, like a cowboy, but he meets this girl who's I for as Evan Evan Rachel Wood, but I think she might be underage or something, and they kind of uh, start up a little bit of relationship. But he's kind of a ends up being kind of a little bit of a nut. Written and directed by David Jacobson. Yeah, that wasn't it wasn't a great movie, but it was one of those ones that uh, I think it went straight to to DVD. Uh, let's see what else we got here. 
The Illusionist. I thought that was okay, but I still, it came out about the exact same time as a Hugh Jackman uh, magician movie, and I like that one better. Some people actually like The Illusionist better. I did not. Uh, let's see what else. Incredible Hulk. Um, that wasn't, uh, it wasn't bad. I mean, he was good in it as um, Bruce Banner, um, but. Tim Roth was, you know, abomination, and I would have to go back and maybe watch that one again. I, it, I, I remember when I saw it, I it wasn't as, uh, wasn't as good as what I wanted it to be. I, I think it was more Bruce Banner than it than the Hulk. Uh, Pride and Glory, that's the one I just talked about, the cop movie. Uh, Stone, that was him and Mila Jovovich and De Niro, and I loved, loved Mila Jovovich and would watch everything she was in at one time. Uh, this wasn't a very good movie. It's a um, De Niro is. I, I know uh, Ed Norton is in prison. He's got. He's like got uh, dreadlocks <laughs> or cornrows, not dreadlocks. They're not real long. Uh, and Mila Jovovich is his wife, and she is trying to seduce De Niro, who I think maybe, I don't know if he's like a prosecutor or if he is a prison warden or what. I can't remember. Uh, and she fucks him and seduces him to help her husband out, uh, who is real sleazy, cornrow-wearing uh, peckerwood in prison. Uh, Born Legacy, Moonrise Kingdom, The Simpsons, <laughs> Reverend Elijah Hooper. <laughs> uh, Grand Budapest Hotel was a good movie, uh, but he was just a part of an ensemble, ensemble cast. Birdman, The Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance, that's him and um, not Michael, Michael Keaton. For some reason, I said Michael Keaton, and then I, yeah, it's Michael Keaton. But then as soon as I said that, uh, a picture of Lenny from Lenny and Squiggy popped into my head. Um, I think that's another maybe Keaton. Um, it's definitely not Diane Keaton. Uh, Motherless Brooklyn, I thought sucked. That's another one where he sort of liked the score, where he has Tourette's. Uh, it's just like a gimmick that they don't need to have in the fucking movie that is just irritating. Isle of Dogs was good, but then that was a... Um, a uh, you know animated I love that movie that was my movie of the year and Alita Battle Angel he was a, a voice of Nova in that which was good but again that's animated so that's Ed Norton yeah <laughs> I don't know why I got off of Ed Norton Selma Hayek's big tits that's one reason um, okay so anyway um, let's see what was that called <laughs> shoot first die later is good I liked it I thought it was really good I liked the corruption uh, think stuff in it uh, movies about police uh, bad cops and police corruption are always good maybe not always but you know good good uh, interesting uh, subject uh, death walks on high heels which is la morta camina con i tatachi uh, alti from 1971 uh, this was directed by luciano orcoli uh, written by Ernesto Gastaldi and uh, Mahan Han Velasco. And it stars Frank Wolf, uh, Nieves Navarro, and Simone Andro. Um, let's see, what was this motherfucker about? <laughs> 
Okay, now I, I remember. Okay. Uh, French stripper is entrusted with her thieving father's last score, a uh, million dollars worth of diamonds. After being threatened to hand over the score, she leaves France to England uh, in the company of a doctor, uh, but danger follows. And, of course, uh, the doctor, it's almost like a sugar daddy kind of a thing. Um, but, of course, the doctor is fucking married. Uh, again, a giallo, again, it follows that formula of, you know, you don't know who did it. You're trying to figure out who did it. Throws you a bunch of red herrings, uh, has, uh, this one, I don't remember as much gore. Um, I'm sure uh, I, I know there was, there was, but I mean, uh, I just remember them finding the dead, uh, a dead body. And I think it was in the. Uh, and then them okay they found a dead body which gave a certain person an alibi big time uh, because the person was somewhere else or whatever but then they figure out that um, the murder the way the, the the murderer was so cunning that he uses this certain method um I don't want to give it away, give stuff away that, but it, 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 it gives him a pretty much clear cut, uh, unbreakable alibi, but you know, anyway, <laughs> cause it's giallo. Like I said, uh, I ought to review more giallo movies because other than reading off that it's a different director with a different cast, uh, they kind of, Again, you have, but I shouldn't say that because you just you just have that for that standard formula for Gialli. But again, you know, with uh, the chick being, uh, uh, she's kind of like a famous, more like a instead of a stripper, like a burlesque dancer. And um, I like some of these movies because they will introduce this character, which would be. It's sort of like in um, Dress to Kill with the Angie Dickinson character. And Angie Dickinson is like one of the stars of the movie. So you think, okay, Angie Dickinson's in this. Uh, somebody's killing somebody. And then they're going to be menacing her and stalking her and everything. But you, you're you thrown that that big star, that attractive woman. Uh, and, you know, it's a, the, the setup at the beginning of the movie. And you think that that's how the formula is going to go. And then they are eliminated <laughs> and then it goes on from there so again that's like red herrings and stuff like that but uh i like i like that kind of stuff and i thought this was pretty good this one confused me a little bit though uh again with you know the different red herrings and stuff like and, and things like that i shouldn't say and stuff like that i've been saying that about a million times but i do like it and then it's one of those ones that you get confused as it's going along, but then when they wrap it up at the end, you're like, oh, you know, which is a good thing. But I'm, but some of these, I'm sitting there watching. I'm like, okay, now, who was that? You know, which one got killed there? And okay, uh, is it this guy? Is it that guy? And and they'll introduce a character at, the, at say like the beginning, and you'll see him for a little bit, and then you don't see him for the rest of the movie. You're like, okay, wait a minute. Now, who was that fucking guy? I remember him at the beginning, but they haven't shown him forever. Uh, but that was a good one. Death walks on high heels. Uh, now this one is totally different. This one isn't Gialli. This one isn't Eurocrime or anything like that. It's the big hit from 1998. 
uh, directed by uh, Shea Kirk Wong, or uh, went by Kirk Wong, in uh, I guess in uh, Hong Kong or wherever, uh, China or Hong Kong. It's uh, Shea Kirk Wong, uh, written by Ben Ramsey, and it stars the immortal Mark Wahlberg, Lou Diamond Phillips, Christina Applegate, uh, Avery Brooks, uh, Antonio. Well, I guess there is a connection with uh, Euro Crime because uh, it's it also stars Antonio Sabato Jr. Uh, China Chow. I wanted to see who she was because she was really cute. She was okay. They have um, uh, Christina Applegate as you know one of the stars of this, and she's in it, but she isn't like the main chick. She's Wahlberg's actual. Uh, I don't know if they're married or they're just living together. They're basically like husband and wife, but she's she's kind of like a uh, a yuppie uh, valley girl kind of a thing. And his main interest in this is um, China Chow. And she is so cute in this. I know, I don't think I had ever seen her in anything. I don't remember. Uh, maybe I have, but I don't remember. Doesn't seem like she worked very much. She uh, she was in uh, 1998, the big hit. That was her first acting role on IMDb. And then in 2007, she was in a Burn Notice, the TV series. I wonder if something happened to her. Let me look. New York City, NYC. Pretty mean when it wants to be. Uh, yeah, she didn't seem like she had a very long career. Uh, China Chow was born in London, is known uh, to divide her time between New York City and Los Angeles. She is the child of late model designer Tina Chow, who died of AIDS in 1992, and restaurateur Michael Chow, whose Mr. Chow restaurants are the talk of the town in London, Manhattan, and Beverly Hills, and has a younger brother, Maximilian Chow, the first uh, college graduate in her family. China graduated from... I don't need to know any of this. Her acting debut was in the big hit with Mark Wahlberg, whom she is rumored to be dating. Her acting debut was in... Did they get married? I don't know. Uh, let's see. Okay. After the original pilot of the TV show Young Americans was filmed... I'm just trying to find out what the fuck happened to her. Had no prior acting experience before her first role in the big hit. Uh, doesn't say. I mean, she just... Uh, I know that Wahlberg is married... It's just funny that um, she was she wasn't in that much, and she and uh, she was dating him. No, his spouse is Rhea Durham. Durham. Okay, and they have a bunch of kids. Looks like Brendan Wahlberg, uh, Ella Ray Wahlberg, Grace Margaret Wahlberg, and Michael Wahlberg. Hmm. So anyway. God damn, Wahlberg's 49 years old. He's not that much younger than me. Fucker. <laughs> anyway, um, I'll tell you what. I have never seen this movie, <clears throat> the big hit. And of course, you know, everybody knows that I'm not like the world's biggest Mark Wahlberg fan. This was pretty entertaining. It was a, a you know, action comedy. Um, he is so young in this that he looks almost like a, a fucking 
Maybe he's like 16 fucking years old. Because number one, he's small anyway. He's a little short guy. And um, he wasn't bad in this. Uh, but you could see it was during the, like right, like around the Marky Mark and the funky bunch, uh, kind of thing. So they were just, they were just giving him a, a, um, vehicle to show off his, you know, just something fun and, you know, where he can have his shirt off and, and jump around and do stuff. Lou Diamond Phillips was fucking hilarious in this. He was probably like, with the exception of like the, the, uh, action and the, and the comedy and stuff in it was, was good. Uh, Lou Diamond Phillips was fucking funny and he was just so sleazy and such a, uh, a douchebag. Uh, he kind of reminded me of Henry Silva's character in the Italian connection where he thinks he's like hot and he's he you know comes on to women really strong and, you know like he's like he thinks he's suave and everything but he's just kind of sleazy and kind of gross <laughs> but times where I, when I was watching it I was like Jesus Christ Mark Wahlberg is so young in this that it's almost unbelievable him as this character cuz he looks like he's like uh 12 fucking years old but it was it was funny, and, and like I said, the action was good. It was entertaining. Uh, what's this? <laughs> what the fuck is this that I watched? <laughs> Il Contrabandieri di Santa Lucia. Santa Lucia. Santa Lucia. Uh, this was directed by Alfonso Brescia. Written by Ciro Ippolito Piero Reganoli, and it stars Mario Morola, Antonio Sabata, Gianna Garco. With the uh, American mafia families pulling their resources to bring uh, huge quantities of cheap heroin into the country, it's up to customs official Ivano Radavica to allow authorities to intercept the drugs en route to a USA. Jesus Christ, people, let me tell you something right now. I don't remember shit about this. I remember somebody saying that this was um, like the end of the... Um, Euro crime phase because it's 1979 and I took that into in in mind when I was watching it let me and it was called it was just listed as contraband now I'm going to look this up because I want to see some pictures of it to help me remember because I, I remember even though somebody told me that that when I watched it I still thought it was pretty good uh, I can see and I can tell, you know, uh, again, that it was more closer to an 80s movie than, um, than you know, the, the early 70s. Um, but I'm telling you what, Jesus Christ, I don't remember jack shit about it. Hmm. And I'm even looking at fucking I remember, hey, I remember this guy, which you can't fucking see what I'm pointing at. Um, like I said, I, I, I remember watching it and thinking it wasn't bad, but it was kind of like um, How to Kill a Judge, where it wasn't as much just straight up 
But goddamn, I'm not going to go on too much because, like I said, I just don't. Oh, there... uh, hey, there's a helicopter. <laughs> and a boat. And I, I, they, I, okay, I remember they they were smuggling um, heroin on these boats that were kind of not like ships, but like kind of like speedboats. And I remember that they had to blow them up at the beginning, and <laughs> okay. Now was this the one where? Jesus Christ. No, that was another fucking movie that I watched like two fucking weeks ago where the cops were. That was the one that was the Netflix original. It was a new movie where the cops were uh, Italian cops attacked the mafia to try and steal their cargo because they were all corrupt and everything went awry there. And I can't even remember what that was called. I just don't honest to God. I'm sitting here looking at this motherfucker and it's be- uh, the new Godfathers. Let me see if I can juice my memory here. Or uh, a goose, not juice, goose my memory. I'm on an hour and 23, so I'm going to be quitting here shortly anyway. Because this is just kind of like a, bo- a bonus episode. Bonus. A great quantity of drugs travel unco- uncovered from Iran and Turkey and arrive in the ports of Naples. An Italian guardian de Franaza officer tries to intercept the stuff and achieves the collaboration of Don Francesco Ortero, the chief of illegal cigarettes trade in Naples. God damn, did I even fucking watch this? <laughs> the film was intended for a foreign market, unlike most of the films of the subgenre. Uh, autobiography mentions the help of the. I, honest to God, I can't speak on this because I don't remember. It, it it must have been one of the ones that I watched first, like a couple of weeks ago. And I remember even talking about Contraband because Mark Wahlberg made a movie called Contraband. And um, but I, it wasn't. It, I thought maybe it was a remake because again, he sometimes likes to make remakes. Um, but this was not. Um, this was not a remake. I don't remember that much about the uh, that that movie. It's him and Ben Foster, and they smuggle. Sees. Uh, let's see. Chris Faraday once smuggled illegal items or contraband into the country on freighters. Uh, he left the life behind, got married, had a family. Blah blah. It's like one of those ones. Uh, just when I get out, you pull me back in. I think something happens where they he kind of almost gets like a. Um, blackmailed into having to to go back into the business uh, sort of like in uh, gone and say it has giovanni Rabisi. that's what jump started this memory uh but it's sort of like um uh, in gone in 60 seconds where giovanni Rabisi's his nicholas cage's brother gets in trouble and then cage has to go back to stealing cars even though he said he would never do it again uh, this has Ben Foster, Giovanni Rabisi, Caleb Landry Jones, and Kate Beckinsdale, who is hot. Jesus Christ, on our one on the hot tub, uh, I've been looking up just pictures of Kate Beckinsdale, and uh, she was dating some really young guy here recently uh, who was like 20 years younger than her. But man, she has got a rocking little body still, you know. So anyway, uh, the new Godfathers again. Um, it must not have made too much of an impression, or maybe I fell asleep fucking watching it. I don't know. 
<laughs> None of this looks familiar. Okay, I remember some of these big fat kind of like mafia guys and the two mafia families were kind of at war over, you know, the smuggling of these drugs and stuff and but I I just don't fucking uh, I would have to go back and rewatch it to give you any insight in this at all. I do not fucking remember shit about it. Uh maybe it's um I don't know. Because I know I started watching uh, the, that one uh, movie, the heroin. Uh, oh, goddamn. Quit talking because you're talking about shit you can't remember. I started watching a movie. Um, I'm trying to look on these on my notes. I just have stuff written down. But there was a... Ah, forget it. There was one I was going to start watching, and I, and I watched like about first the first five minutes of it and turned it off just because I was busy. But anyway, I can't remember that movie, so maybe it wasn't any good. <laughs> it, I think it was the, one of the ones that was at the end when I was just watching like four or five movies, you know, three at, at a time, and it was one of the last ones, and I just I just don't remember that much about it. Maybe if I maybe if I find a um, a uh, a clip, <laughs> I'm so fucking stupid. This show is just awful. Uh, let's see. <laughs> Contraband. Mel Gibson is a cop who's a lethal weapon. Uh, Mark Wahlberg is an actor. You know what? Keanu Reeves can't actor the shit. <laughs> okay. It'll probably just have the whole movie on there because it's probably where I watched it. Yep. That's on YouTube. Yeah, it's on YouTube. Huh. That's weird. I've never drawn like a complete blank. But you know what? I watch so many Euro crime movies that they're and Giallo that they're running together. So that's probably what it has to do with too. But anyway, I'm going to get off here. Like I said, I just wanted to do kind of like a bonus episode because I had to cut the last one short because I got sidetracked so much. Wanted to get the movies in, the other movies in that I had watched. And also, again, I wanted to just tr check and see and try and see if the one uh, if the files that are smaller uh, upload correctly so we don't have the problems that we had like yesterday and the time before. Uh, so hopefully when I download this one, it's going to be a surprise for you guys to get a little bonus one here. And hopefully um, it will just upload correctly from the word go and I'll be able to post it here in just a few seconds. So anyway, again, thanks for all the uh, support and everything. And I'm, I, I have this up on here right now. It's playing this um, contraband movie. <laughs> and that doesn't even look... I don't... This doesn't even look familiar. Maybe I wrote... Maybe I was going to watch it and I fucking fell asleep or something. That's weird. No, I mean, honestly... Now, this... Is this even... What the fuck? What's? I think I think that maybe I wrote this down and was going to watch it, and I didn't watch it because I, I I'm just flicking through here and and just looking at where it, where it pauses in each thing, and I don't remember any of this. Nah, I don't think I watched this one. So uh, we discovered something new. I did not watch this fucking movie. Anyway, 
Maybe I'll watch it next time. Uh, we're going on just right at uh, an hour and a half, and I'm going to sign off and go and maybe have myself a little bit of coffee. Uh, Mary and I are going to go for our walk here in about uh, an hour and a half, which will be fun. I love the Mary. I'm debating on getting her a friend because I feel bad. Um, I think that, um, you know, she definitely is cl- is clinging to me for sure. But then I look at pictures of her in chief and how, you know, that, that, that they, you know, their friendship and stuff like that. But not only that, I was watching some, uh, videos on TikTok where, uh, you know, a guy had a, a dog and, and, uh, then brought home a little puppy. And I remember when chief was, you know, laying on the recliner and I have a picture of him and Mary was just a tiny little puppy and she, you know, they would sleep together and she would just crawl up in like his little nook and, um, and, and they just had that bond, you know, and it's just a big responsibility. And also, um, I know that with, uh, there's a place called pet helpers around here and they adopt dogs and foster them. They, they house train them and all that. And, um, you can get on pet finders, which is all through the United States and you can find, um, uh, pets on there by your zip code that are close to you. And, uh, they'll have the foster dogs from like pet helpers and stuff like that on there. But they'll also have ones that are at the pound at the humane society and at the pound and everything. And, um, you can, it, you, it has a search engine so you can pick, um, you know, you can put on there, you know, gets along with, uh, with, uh, kids gets along with, uh, cats gets along with other dogs and stuff like that. So I would need one, uh, a dog that, you know, I would definitely pick one that, you know, gets along with other dogs. But even in that instance, <clears throat> because when they're fostering them, they'll have them with other dogs and everything. So they'll know that they get along. But even in that instance, you still need to do a meet and greet, uh, and take your dog or have them bring the dog over to you or you take your dog over to them and just kind of let them get used to each other because sometimes they can be territorial as far as food goes as far as toys go and things like that i mean i i chief and mary used to growl at each other you know if if uh, uh if mary had a bone or a chew thing or something like that and chief would go over to her uh she would growl a little bit but they never fought they never snapped at each other or anything they never like uh, my little dogs mopey and groucho would always you know and uh but they wouldn't hurt each other because groucho was like dominant he and mary would just fall or not mary uh mopey would just roll over on his back and groucho would get on top of him and 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 mopey would submit and uh but they would never bite each other or anything uh but you never know and that's the one thing that i i i would be worried about is um is uh not only that, but if you get a new dog and then I'm giving attention, Mary was always, uh, even with chief was, I, I, I wouldn't say jealous. She didn't come over and snap at him or growl or anything. But if I was petting chief, Mary would come over and like want to bump him out of the way and put her head under my hand. So she wants all my attention and everything. So I don't know if it would work out or not. I'm not sure. I know when, um, I took him to the kennel, uh, the last time when we went to the beach, there's a new place, um, and they have a great big giant fenced in place and, uh, all this, uh, rooms and stuff for the dogs to do things. And, uh, and, uh, they have lots of dogs there and they even have doggy daycare so you can get them socialized with other dogs. And she got along well, I think with everybody, uh, they, because chief was so old at that time and wasn't getting along, getting around very well or getting up and down very well that she put them all out with, uh, even Mary, 
because uh, she didn't want to separate Chief and Mary. She put them out with uh, all the older dogs and the dogs that were really mild-mannered. And so she got along with all of them and everything. So maybe that'll be a way to go. If I do decide to do that is to get an older dog that's uh, really calm and just kind of a couch potato kind of a thing. We'll see. I just don't know. It's just a big, um, big responsibility, you know, uh, adopting a pet. And when I, you know, you, you, they're there for for life and everything and and uh, we'll, we'll just have to see that's just something that i'm i'm debating i don't know uh i debate a lot of things and <laughs> but uh um anyway but thanks for listening and i'm going to see if i can get this posted and see how it turns out and i hope you enjoy this little uh impromptu an hour and a half is an impromptu little bonus episode show here so anyway thanks guys appreciate it zom out <laughs>